How are you doing? And more importantly, how are your turds? If, like me, you're in need of a pep talk and some advice on how to find the glitter in the most turd-laden moments, you've come to the right place. Currently, I'm feeling pretty great after a weekend of, I'm going to say silliness with friends. Life can get a bit too serious for my liking sometimes. And isn't it good to just engage your silly side sometimes? So I did that. Um, Someone who knows about joy and fun is my mate Ray Morris, who is on today's third episode. I've been friends with Ray for many years, but this is, I think, the first time we've really dug into a thing that happened to her that she'd feared her entire career. You'll hear from her that although you can expect a certain turd to happen and you know that it happening is for the best, it can still really, really suck. I'm just going to let you listen to the chat now. And as ever, here's a reminder to rate and follow this podcast if you like it. Okay, see you on the other side. Today, I'm speaking with my friend, singer-songwriter, Northern Lass, Ray Morris. She's performed with the likes of Tom O'Dell, Bombay Bicycle Club and George Ezra and has also co-written with Mel Steve and the Spice Girls. She's about to release her third album, so I feel so lucky we get to squeeze in some time to discuss the important matter of turd glittering. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good, but yeah, mostly just very happy to be talking to you today. It's kind of like a a brief moment of calm in a pretty manic couple of weeks. Oh, I'm glad that I can take you away from the chaos and the anxiety I'm sure that it brings bringing out another album. So are you happy to introduce your turd? Yeah, so um, I've been giving this some thought because you mentioned it to me a couple of weeks ago um you know so I've been thinking what what is my what is my turd you know I think generally I've been lucky like a very lucky person I haven't had that many huge turds to deal with across the course of my um 29 years but one that kind of did have a an impact on me kind of mentally and emotionally was in 20 at the end of 2018 um I was dropped by my record label after releasing a couple of albums with them and um after being signed to them for a good chunk of time it was I think it was eight years in total so it was um it was the the end of a, a chapter and um and something that I think a lot of people kind of know about vaguely but don't really understand the ins and outs of it mm-hmm. but but the word being you know dropped is kind of something that that yes. everyone understands so it was it was quite a big moment totally I'm so glad that you're bringing this to this podcast because, um, you know, we focus so much on success and like the shiny, glittery parts of life. But, you know, we often forget about the grind and and how it's taken us to get to those shiny bits. And it's certainly not straightforward being a songwriter and, and a singer and a performer. But yeah, the word dropped. I mean, it is so dramatic and it's so final. And it's so, I mean, probably quite heart-wrenching. But, I mean, was it as dramatic as that? Or did, did you have any inkling it was coming? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, in a lot of ways, I kind of 
quite wanted it to happen because mm. the way that the music industry is moving now, um, it's a pretty old fashioned concept to be signed to a, a major record label. And a lot of the, the workings of that just kind of that particular label anyway, they just weren't really suiting me for, for quite a while. So it was really weird that it was it was this huge event in my life when I knew deep down that it was actually a good thing. So mm. it was kind of multi-layered and a little bit complex. But I think just to kind like kind of caveat this whole chat about it, like it's it's also a really like privileged thing to be complaining about, you know. Mm. And that was something I struggled with too, that I'd been kind of fortunate enough to have been signed to a record label for eight years and not everybody gets that opportunity. So it came with this kind of level of guilt as well that I shouldn't be kind of upset about a pretty good innings and a, and a, you know, really um, fortunate experience. So yeah, like I, I kind of, it took me a while to digest it and figure out a plan to, to move forward, even though it was something I've been preparing for, for, basically the whole time I was signed mm-hmm. it was like my biggest fear that um that the moment I signed my record deal I was like but what if I get dropped and then it was eight years of but what mm-hmm. if I get dropped that constant fear how do you how do you live with that for, for me because I was 19 when I first signed um I didn't deal with it very well I think looking back on it as you know being just <laughs> being my friend I'm a pretty kind of like positive just just kind of boringly nice person (laughs) um and that is not very good in business when you're doing business with people you need to be like a bit more cutthroat and a bit more kind of clear on what you want to do and make sure that people don't walk over you and make sure that you get what you want out of something and I think because of my innate fear of losing this like spectacular opportunity that had somehow happened to little old me it meant that I spent a lot of my time that a lot of that those first eight years being like okay yeah I'll do that sure Mm -hmm. um you know whatever Mm -hmm. you whatever you say um which I think didn't help anyone because it meant that I wasn't doing what I wanted to do and um I kind of wasn't respected by my um by my team for you know for being kind of sure about what I wanted I think it's always good to check your privilege no matter what but songwriting and singing and performing that was all you knew right I mean you've been playing piano since you were four Mm -hmm. to I guess that's such a monumental shift in like okay so I don't know what life holds now for me career-wise um but I'm not allowed to feel bad about it because I'm actually really lucky to be in this position so then how do you navigate from that place because um you're you know you're a good human so you don't want to f- moan but equally you're allowed to because that would have been shit yeah totally and it was <laughs> it was shit it was shit because you're like oh okay that thing has happened that 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 thing that I've been most scared about has happened um and I just want to feel a bit sorry for myself for a while yeah wallow in it and do say all the things like my career is over and no one cares about me and <laughs> I'm an old hag with no prospects. You know, I think my way of dealing with it was to kind of just give myself a window of time to just be really gutted, basically, <laughs> and kind of yes. go for it. And and I think I just, it was kind of, I think it was September time. So I had 
my birthday and and all of these things like just I, I remember just feeling like everything had lost its meaning and <laughs> in its way um and you know I, I, again like fortunate enough to have not dealt with huge mental health issues in my life so it, so it was a kind of a time where I was just kind of trying to understand how to bring myself through that um yeah I just I just allowed it for, for kind of a couple of weeks maybe six weeks and then slowly like everything um things start to fall into place but there were there's some elements um of that kind of process that w- were the glitter which which I've also been thinking about you know who who and what yeah. made that whole situation better and yeah I was fortunate to have some kind of some glittery particles nearby yeah I think um it takes all sorts to kind of get you out of those particularly sad times I mean September that's beginning of winter to to me I'd be like oh the days are getting so short and now it's everything so dark and you know that would have been my process um Mm -hmm. but uh, I mean I mean I wonder because okay so you've been dropped but I mean what what was your what was your sort of barometer of success at that time what did you think like okay so now I don't have a label um uh, what what does my career look like now um um when you were starting to I guess pick yourself up again and go okay enough moping like did you reassess what success looked like to you did you what was your dream from then um it, that's exactly what I had to do I had to sit and reassess things and take stock and kind of try and be really honest about um what my aims and goals were in music again a very mm-hmm. weird thing when like your your career is in this very strange industry um you know my my job for the, all those years was just making music and and entertaining people and that's just weird um so my my husband ben who who you know um mm-hmm. was an extreme help during this time and and he's a very like calm and level-headed character to to have around um just in general everyday life but also in this situation and um we actually just sat down at the table um this was before we had a baby so there was time to just sit down and <laughs> talk to each other oh, wow yeah 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 <laughs> which now seems um like a distant memory um but he he just basically interviewed me in this kind of format and started from the very beginning and was like okay what why do you make music and what do you want to achieve from it and what have you enjoyed about the process so far and what have you not enjoyed and which elements do you um think you're better at than others and we just did this like huge process of re-evaluation and um I guess the the outcome of that was understanding that it's something that I feel compelled to do and making music and performing music are are things that I love more than anything in the world um and there's a side note of money because that's realistic and Mm. um I think like coming from a a pretty normal working class background like making money has always been like a huge goal for me um practically and just kind of yeah it's like a aspirational level up thing Mm. and so after that I was like okay I understand now that no matter what happens, I will always make music, and that's what actually what it's all about. There's no concept of um, being part of this kind of like industry focused 
system where you have to be really successful within that framework um it's just about finding a way to make music always you know even if that means funding it in different ways and um he was he was a major turd glitterer oh he's such a good egg for doing that (laughs) i mean but i can imagine him in that sort of situation I, i mean yeah like you, you kind of need someone like that. I've had definitely had people like sit me down with a big piece of paper, big colourful pens, and like just talk through strategy. Okay, what, what, what is this? Like, like, what do you want? Like, what, like, what's, what does it look like to you in five years, ten years? Like, and all those sort of questions that you just don't ask yourself because you're so mixed up in the the doom and gloom of the situation. You can't, you can't. It, it, it sometimes it requires someone else to help you look beyond that, doesn't it? That's um, that's how you guys came up with the Copperfield name, isn't it? By just r- kind of writing things down and yeah, yeah. We've always um, just gotten pens and paper out. I think it's amazing mm. what comes out at the end of a, a session with a pen and paper. I remember, yeah, I don't know if you remember this conversation that we had at the beginning of last year. So we were in another lockdown, and my book was coming out last year, and. Um, we were chatting when I was up in Scotland and we were catching up and and I and I, I kind of needed to hear from you what your what you deemed success like what because I was in this sort of pickle and really doubting myself about like what the book would do in the world and what impact it would have and what like was it just such a um such a braggy thing to do was it such a like um you know, what What was the point in my book? And when it comes out, how happy will I actually be? Will it be massive anticlimax? Will I feel really elated? Will I want it to be a Sunday Times bestseller? What if it's not, etc. I was going through all sorts and I'm, and you reassured me that that was a totally normal feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you thankfully told me that for you, when you bring out a record, um, you can actually focus on the fact that you can be proud that you've produced it. Like it, it, it exists. If if you hadn't, it wouldn't exist. And just the fact that it exists is enough for you. And I think for me, that was so reassuring to hear because I thought, well, okay, it maybe if I ca- maybe if I I can refocus my and sh- we sort of shift what I deem successful so that I can be happy with whatever happens next. Um, and thankfully I did (laughs) well that yeah that's that's I totally do remember that conversation and it was really important for me as well as a reminder of that but it's it's easier said than done obviously to to change Mm. your your focus or your thought process and and a lot of the time that is other people putting that into your mind like the people you work with or, or or things you see on the internet on the on the daily um and it, yeah, I I actually feel like I really need this reminder now. You know, with a, a week and a half <laughs> until my record comes out, and you're thinking about other people's chart success versus your own, and and what that means to to your team members, and um and obviously it's there. Like it 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 is a it is a business. People have invested in certain ways or whatever, and it kind of does matter, but. Um, it, this is again really, yeah, really nice for me just to remember that ultimately the the thing that you've made, the creation, the thing that's going to like outlive 
us all and kind of be something that generations down the line look at and go cool like you know that's auntie chris's book like um that's you know that is ultimately what it's all about right yeah it's totally that buzz and it's like it's so easy to forget like like you said you're scrolling on instagram and you're comparing yourself to other people's success you're comparing yourself to what other people have and how what they've achieved i mean i want you to just look at some of the i was watching some of the, your music videos earlier just to like get myself in the mood and um I was reading the comments under it and like you just have some real diehard long like big fans who adore you and really respect everything you put out there. And I think maybe if you're having a wobble, read some of those comments because they are the ones that will love whatever you're producing next. Yeah, you're so right about that. And and that is um the beauty of social media that we can have that a direct line to to those comments and um and yeah I am I am making it much more of an effort to to read positive comments and and kind of um let them be the thing that that guides the the movement forward mm -hmm. and okay so I think when we spoke before as well um you were like I don't know maybe I'm imagining that you said this but I always feel like artists like Jesse Ware they're constantly pregnant mm -hmm. and yet producing incredible music <laughs> And um, kind of, I want to understand what it's like for a woman to be in that industry that I presume is very male heavy as well. Um, mm -hmm. And a label that is making decisions about your life and is probably considering, is she going to give birth at some point? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm speculating. But how does that impact your decisions with your career? And um, do, has it stopped you? Has it forced you to be more independent and do what you want to do or and I, I guess in a way it's quite nice to see people like Jessie Ware just getting on with it but without hopefully some pressure for other women to do the same <laughs> right absolutely and um, it's, it's so multifaceted isn't it like um I I think Jessie Ware is an amazing like um, ambassador for other females in pop but it's a shame that she had to do it first because I feel like when she had her first kid, like I don't, I I don't know her very well personally, um, but um, that probably was really uncommon still. Whereas like now, where I've just had a baby, um, I think I, it already people like Jessie have kind of made it m more on like kind of acceptable. I don't know if that's the right word, but. Um, like it's yeah, mad that, I mean that's, it? it's a fucked up um, word yeah <laughs> yeah but it feels like but but what I'm trying to say is that I think it's a lot better now than it probably was for Jessie on her first kid yeah like I used when I was talking to my people about you know when I, maybe when I just found out I was pregnant I'd be like you know Jessie where manages to do it <laughs> um and so like thank goodness for her really in a, in a lot of ways but it shouldn't be like that and I think the the thing is that being a musician and touring and doing all this stuff is it's really not set up well for um for having a, a, a family you know like you're expected to be away all the time the hours are really unsociable and so it is a, I think probably alarm bells ring in the in the um the head offices <laughs> of major labels when um when their artists get pregnant but also I'm like on the flip side to that we work in a industry where you can make your own rules and you know I'm in rehearsals this week and I'm doing I'm going after this I'm doing kind of 
12 till 6 and then I can get on the tube home and be home in time to feed Marla before putting her to bed and so I'm really lucky that you know I'm, I'm not going into an office where it's I've got to be there at 9am but the sad truth of the music industry is that like it's not that sexy to people I think to be kind of like a working mom <laughs> a working mom pop star and so much of music is obsessed with youth and sex appeal and beauty and perfection my tits right now are very different very saggy <laughs> very you know not not what um anyone would like to put on the cover of some sort of magazine <laughs> <laughs> um can you please just do a TikTok about um, the state of your boobs, please? <laughs> I think that is what we all need to see. I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. I'm I'm very happy with them. You know, like I, I'm looking at them. I'm like, this is cool. These guys have been doing some mad shit for the past year, but they are deflated balloons. And that is just it, what I don't understand. I, I don't know why we're really getting into this right now, but is I thought they'd get massive because they've got all this milk in them, but for, they've got milk in them, but they've gone really little and deflated so <laughs> i don't really understand what where did, where is all um, the milk i have no idea and i definitely don't drink enough fluid to to make milk so uh, it's it's a it's an absolute um mystery to me but that aside <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle it's a mystery and a miracle let's be honest um yeah um it shouldn't take people like Jessie Ware. I mean, females have been having babies for a very long time and been musicians for a very long time, um, I think. But it, it takes for someone to kind of show us that it's done and it can be done successfully. And you kind mm -hmm. of hopefully gives other females the confidence to go, no, this is not going to stop my career. It's not going to stop my dreams. Um, I can have both, uh, mm -hmm. hopefully. Um I do think yeah. it's possible. I, I do. I, I think being in it right now and, um, you know, having done it, like I, I did things from when Marla was about three or four months old. So it's mm. felt doable for this, this year. And obviously it's chaotic and there's a lot of logistics that I didn't have to deal with before. But, you know, for any female artists or performers or whatever, they're listening to this, which I'm sure there are, it is definitely doable. It's not easy, but it's but you know it's worth the it's worth the chaos. I, I'd say personally, yeah. I think some people really appreciate hearing that. Okay, I just want to talk a bit more glittery stuff. Yeah. So the power of music, the power of your incredible music, it's no doubt you you know the power of the music, and it's no doubt transported people to great places and and you yourself have helped other people glitter their turds with your music do you realize that I think I do because I've been sent like you said earlier you know so many nice comments and messages about things and um I do read through them on Instagram in particular and um people you know share kind of really intimate experiences that they've had um where particular songs of mine have, have helped them through that and um it's really it's it's actually quite hard to digest because you're kind of like particularly when you're just like sat at home in your living room reading something like that um and I'm sure you get lots of messages in a in a kind of different but similar way mm -hmm. um and it, you're kind of like okay it's, it, yeah it's it, I wish I could digest it a bit more 
so that I could maybe do something interesting with that feeling. But it's 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 quite a lot to take on, isn't it? When it's someone else's life and and um, you're kind of somehow connected to it. But yeah, I, I think I my best thing is meeting people after gigs and there's just not been any of that. I like to actually meet people in person. So I'm really looking forward to kind of what the connection is. And and how do you see music for you? Um, what kind of therapy is it to you? It's this kind of familiarity, I think, a lot of the time, just kind of, um, you know, putting on a record that I listened to when I was younger or um, hearing a voice that I have a lot of experience with, you know, I've been through a lot of experiences with is a comfort and a kind of place of warmth, I guess. Um, I spoke to someone the other day about the whole Kate Bush thing with um, her her unexpected but long deserved hit. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm so happy for her as a a deep long-term fan. I'm just like, I feel like my friend is having like a great time. And she's not my friend. I don't know her. Um, I wish, I, you know, I, I just, but I feel like this is, I, I feel like she was my secret. And um, now all these little kind of teeny, teeny kids on TikTok are, are, are kind of getting to enjoy it too. Um, and that that's the beauty of loving an artist and loving music is that you you feel like you kind of have this intimate connection with someone when you, when you, don't but that's okay you know I I'm happy with my um one-sided relationship with Kate Bush (laughs) (laughs) but what if you ever did meet her what would you say honestly like I I feel like now that I've got a a child like that would be really interesting and easy to talk to her about that and um, and going back to that thing I think she was always in the back of my mind that she managed to have a, a kid and kind of be in the countryside and make her records and come back when she wanted to and, and make that work. Obviously she'd had like wild success before that, which might have helped. But yeah, I think I'd say, I think I'd ask her about her experiences with being a mother and and still making great, interesting music. But yeah, is there, is there someone that you want to meet like that? Is there, a, <laughs> do you have a person? Um <laughs> Um, I don't think there is. I don't. I, I don't think there is. I. I'm not good with small talk at the best of times. So, <laughs> but no, I think I. I am happy to admire from afar and make up stories about these great friendships that we could have if you know if I wanted to. Uh, it's <laughs> sometimes these better. It's it's le- less um less complex and disappointing to be able to just exactly. There's like um I don't. There's no levels of expectations there. It's just is in my mind fine talking of seeing someone that you really admire on stage you are my friend and I get to admire you on stage and I remember being at camp festival and just like I was looking around and everyone was singing the songs and knew all the lyrics and they're having such a great time and I was like oh my god I feel so proud but also how do you know that song she's my friend how dare you (laughs) So I felt deeply jealous that everyone else had a slice of you in that moment too. That's but, funny. I mean, how is it for for you, like on the stage and like, I, oh my God, that must be such an insane feeling. What's really funny is that I remember obviously coming to get coffee from you and Beyonce, your van um, at that festival. And then 
I got one of your really cool pom-pom headbands and like that whole day was just kind of really you know the focus was on just being with friends and family um and a lot of the time on the stage I think about who I know in the audience like I don't think about um the people I don't know like it could be thousands of people I don't know but I'm just like what's Chris thinking about this like does Chris like this now? <laughs> like <laughs> you know but it's really it is, that see I, I, I swear um that's the power of the the mind you know like you kind of um not that I you know I would I would ever think you would not like it or judge me or anything but it's just mm-hmm. like you focus in on the people that that kind of um like maybe know you best and um yeah a lot of the time I'm like oh is is my is my mum like okay in the audience is she like where where are they standing can like uh, you know there was a venue you guys came to actually um Bristol Marble Factory do you remember that one Mm, and I think you were Georgette and Maren obviously and I can't remember Mm. if it was just the three of you but and Nicola and Nicola thank you sorry Nicola um and it was absolutely freezing like it was a really really cold venue and all I could think about the whole time was like is everyone just really cold like I can't I just can't handle (laughs) the fact that it's really cold and um people were literally leaving because it was that cold so there's a lot of distraction in my brain (laughs) (laughs) and and a lot of the time I'm not thinking about the the gig you know I'm thinking about everything else um but maybe that's maybe that's a good thing I don't know. Yeah, that, I'd say that is probably quite a normal thing, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure that 99% of the time your mum is very happy just to be there. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen your parents at most of your gigs? Um, they look like they have the time of their life. So I think they are two people that you probably don't have to worry about too much. I think they're just fine. That is, that is a very good point. It's almost disconcerting how much of a good time they're having, to be honest. <laughs> like are you not bored of this yet <laughs> yeah they, they will never be bored mm. okay so uh let's move on to your sort of one key lesson that you wanted to share about your turd or you know the glittering of the turd um please yeah I, I think we may have touched on it slightly earlier when when I was explaining about the turd um because my my key takeaway from that whole experience was that everything is kind of bad for a moment whether it's like a few days while you digest something or maybe it's like a a really bad year or like you know the the, those moments of chaos ebb and flow like that this is my kind of experience anyway that I I feel like I can kind of deal with a, a big turd moment if I know that it's it's going to get better for a minute and then kind of maybe it'll just keep going back and forth like that and I I feel like that's a lot of life you know there are deep ups and deep downs I think because it was the first big shit thing that had happened to me and I did pretty well to get to like what was I like 27 or something for, for you know for that to happen I, it was the first time I'd realized that that you you just keep moving and in a few weeks there'll be clarity and whether anything's changed hugely maybe not but you're you're we we have a great ability to kind of um get gain different perspective and and see Mm -hmm. things a little clearer with time and I just never realized that before you know 
And and do you wish someone had said that to you as you know when you found out what was happening with your label? I think they probably did. I think I think like like mm. everyone around me was like don't worry, you know, like it's fine, it's a good thing, like blah blah blah. And people say that stuff to you, you can kind of try and take it in, but really until you understand it yourself and and feel the relief of like mm-hmm. time or just mm-hmm. things slightly resolving themselves you can't you can't listen to anyone when you feel like shit yeah oh no 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 you're right (laughs) um but i think yeah it you 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 gain so much from these experiences and you you grow and you you gain this sort of level of strength and understanding about how to get through life's pickles about a lot more the more they happen i'm not saying like get yourself some more turds then you'll be fine but i think you have come out the other side and you've probably you can now probably deal with similar situations or worse situations or not so bad situations eat slightly easier way probably i mean we won't know that until the next turd lands that's it that's <laughs> it but you know even just thinking about it like and this is why i love your whole turd concept glittering a turd concept which like i just think is yeah it's such a a, a brilliant premise um like even just that in itself, like when a turd lands and something bad happens, even just thinking about the fact that this is something that you can kind of take and use as a, a challenge and see how how well you can turn it around, like that's helpful having this concept to play with. So so I, yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, after reading your book and being part of your whole journey as well, I, th- I think a lot of people will get through their own turds with with a lot of um or maybe slightly easier because of that and and that's the whole point of this podcast is like is people listening to people you know stories like yours because not you know as i keep saying not every turd is is an illness or or cancer or whatever so i think i want so many perspectives and i and i've really enjoyed listening to yours so what would you say is the one thing tangible or otherwise that you think has helped you to glitter your turd I I think I'm gonna say Ben my husband because like you know he deserves he deserves credit there and you know like I I do feel really fortunate to to have a person that kind of deeply understands my inner workings and we you know I really hope that everybody has someone like that that they can kind of um just be a total idiot too when they're feeling <laughs> and they're feeling crap and and they won't you know they won't kind of make them feel bad about it forever um I think we could all do with someone like that and um mm-hmm. I, I on on the surface I I appear very very level-headed or whatever but um I do have moments of of like ah, what now and he and he deals with that for me and I'm really grateful for that so yeah he's he's um He's a good glitterer to have around. Oh, good. Okay, great. I'm glad that we're adding Ben to our mix of things to help us get through life's turds. Um, I might use him for one of my turds at some point too. I'm sure he'd like that. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> um, he, he, he won't mind that you've offered that on his behalf at all. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to listen to one of the podcast listeners called Alex, who has glittered their own turd. Great. I was 
diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. I'm 28 years old and a non-smoker. That obviously kind of changed my life completely. <laughs> and shortly after my cat got diagnosed with FIP, which meant that he didn't have that long to live. And sadly, my boyfriend's dog also actually died of cancer recently. So there's been many turds. And although I think if you summarize it like that, life <laughs> couldn't sound shitter. I feel like I found a newfound love for being alive and believing that I can still have a good, happy life, even if it's not a long one, just doing all the things I want to do. So I think if I hadn't have had cancer, I would have just spent most of my time working and I don't know, maybe just not appreciating the life I had and how fortunate I was. So I guess there's an upside to a really horrible turd. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I was, I mean, as I say time and time again, isn't it mad that something like as bad as cancer helps us to gain a whole different perspective on what our life should be, what happiness means to us, what we want to spend our time on and, and all this. And I'm so glad that Alex has found that now. And I hope, you know, however long she has left to live, that every moment is in some way a good moment but it just ah it's so to me sometimes so sad that it takes something like that for us to get that perspective yeah it it, obviously that that's perspective for me as well um because I've not been through anything like that um and I'm kind of sat here moaning about my music industry career um so again like it's just kind of everything is um you know gets put into context and um but I I do love that Alex is um, able to look at it the situation like that like it's so impressive um and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just deeply in awe that she that she can do that and that is like that is true glittering isn't it it is it really is um thanks alex for sharing that with us it's awful awful but having not only your own illness to contend with and then to have your you know some dear animals suffering too oh i'm so glad alex is able to share that now because i think that takes also quite a lot of courage to be able to say that absolutely um yeah okay so one final thing we're we gonna do. Do you have a drink nearby? I, I've got a little coffee. Yes, it, it, dregs of coffee. Dreg. It tends to be dregs. We like whenever I have a guest, they're like, "There's dregs. I've got dregs. We, I can use dregs." I can. Like, a we should just call this the. Okay, great. Um, we're just gonna cheers to life. Yes. And all of its turds. And I wish we were in person and we did properly cheers. But here we go through the screen. It'll have to do. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for sharing some of life's trickier spots with us. Um, I really appreciate you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, this has been an absolute highlight of maybe even the last month. Um, wow. And uh, 
you're yeah you're doing such an amazing job glittering everything that you touch as always well i don't think i needed to tell you that ray is in fact not boringly nice um and i think what we also now know is that it's okay to do things your way and to maybe trust that it will all work out and when things are a bit shit you find someone to be an idiot with who doesn't make you feel like crap for what you're going through i'm so glad ray has been for that also really glad we know about ray's milky boobs um as you know i'm a big fan of any kind of boob chat anytime thanks ray for sharing your turd with me but also for creating the music that you create if you haven't listened to ray please do it now um you should know that she wrote a song called rose garden which is about me and it's still one of the most beautiful things anyone has ever done for me not that it's necessarily about me for me it makes more sense when you listen to it but it's honestly so special I should also say that her new album, Rachel at Fairyland, is out now. So please listen, go see her on tour. On tour. Also, big thanks to Alex for sharing your multiple turds with us. I so appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening to this podcast. Loads and loads of love to you and your turds, whatever shape, size or genre they are. Until next time. Goodbye.